Hi, this is Jovi. And this is Charlie. And you're listening to Bed Crime Crime Stories. This is a weekly true crime podcast where we pour ourselves a drink and take turns telling each other the stories that keep us up at night. And uh, Jovi, look, I am actually drinking as promised in like two episodes ago. I was like, we're not drinking anymore. I actually have a drink with me. Very nice. I I still don't, but I normally don't. Um, Mm. But I have I have my water again because (laughs) water I'm boring because Jovi's a hydrator I am I'm a I'm a drinker I am am, you actually got me obsessed with this you're welcome this drink I'm drinking so I am drinking uh mango cart which is a mango wheat ale from golden road brewing it is fucking delicious I also have um in my fridge I was trying to decide which one I wanted to grab for actual recording Mm -hmm. um I also have um, from Cigar City Brewing, which is a Tampa, a local Tampa brewery, um, Frostproof. Oh, I've heard of it. Yeah. My baby. That's nice. my favorite for them. So, yeah. Very that's, nice. Uh, that's what I'm drinking. Very nice. And I do agree because um, Charlie went out. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie and I went out um, the Friday after the Backstreet Boys concert, and the beer that she's drinking now, they actually had on tap and mm. It was mm-hmm. 10 times better on tap, but it's, it's yeah. a very refreshing beverage. Like it's yeah, very it's summery. Really it's very mm-hmm. nice. And it's not like super strong either. So you just, you just enjoy it. It's just enjoyable. Yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm usually weird with beer. Like I like my beer to be, I guess a little fruity, which is weird because I usually don't like f- like s- fruity or sweet drinks. Mm-hmm. Like give me a glass of wine or just give me like a vodka seltzer with a little bit of lime, like very basic as far as like my normal drinking habit is concerned. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to beer, I do really like a fruity beer Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because like the frost proof um, from Cigar City is a little fruity as well. And like, I like a, I like a blue moon and I like a shock top and all that. See, And I don't, I'm not a fan of blue moon or shock top, but I just think that's because I, I'm weird with beer. Mm-hmm. I'm just weird with it. Yeah. I also like um, Line and Kugel Summer Shandy, which is mm-hmm. uh, lemony. Mm-hmm. That one's really yummy. Mm-hmm. That one is lemony schnicket. I dig it. Lemony schnickles. I dig it. I dig mm-hmm. it. So, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can we just attempt to talk about this with as little spoilers or no spoilers at all, but fucking Stranger Things, dude? Huh. like fucking stranger things yeah fucking stranger things like <laughs> i it was a yeah. roller coaster of emotions it was i'm it not was. even gonna lie yeah it really was I, I will say this is what i will say that's not i don't think is spoilery i will say this mm-hmm. um there are a lot of people from this season specifically of the children crew mm-hmm. that like deserve award nominations oh absolutely i agree 100 percent. Mm-hmm. i mean they all did fantastic yeah and it was a very very good season very good season agreed i definitely have some unpopular uh opinions on oh, yeah? some things that other people are like super loving and i'm just like mm. mm-hmm. um but yeah i don't know okay. That's that's me. I'm that type of person where I'm just like, yeah, that was my favorite. We'll talk about that offline. <laughs> we'll talk later. We'll, we'll talk later. later. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, besides Stranger Things, are you watching anything new? Not really. I um, randomly decided to start rebinging Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like flew through that. Um, which is funny because like, I'm watching the show and I'm like, do I even really like this show? (laughs) The music is fantastic. Like I love the music from that show Mm -hmm. and there's certain things from it that I really enjoy, but honestly, and this is again, going to be like, probably like a super unpopular opinion and a hot take. Mm -hmm. The fourth season is my favorite. The last season. Yeah. The last season is my favorite season just because like, she's less like less crazy. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And it's like i don't know i like um i like the last season and again like i again i think another unpopular opinion is who if i was her who i would pick as like the favorite love interest of the three because i was always team greg until watching it again this new time around Mm -hmm. i'm like oh all about nathaniel who is the lawyer guy who was her boss that she had like an affair with or whatever cheated on josh with no i don't think Um, i made it that far yeah i just I didn't like him the first time I watched it, Mm -hmm. but now watching it this time, I'm like, oh my God, no, I love him. I actually like love him. Mm -hmm. And it made me like the ending actually made me mad. I watched the final episode last night before I went to bed. I'm like, that ending absolutely sucked. (laughs) Like it pissed me off. It pissed me off. It was one of those typical, I mean, the show's been off the air for like three years, so I can say I couldn't spoiler it. Mm -hmm. Um, It was one of those things of like, she didn't choose anybody at the end. She chose herself. And it's like, (laughs) I didn't invest four years of watching the show for you to pick you gag. Stop learning valuable life lessons, lady, and just pick a lover. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you love yourself? Yeah, right. How dare you choose you? Pick a man, pick a man like a real lady. I don't know. That's not at all how I feel. But. No, no, no. We're we're just being we're just being facetious. It's fine. Oh god. It's fine. I just wanted an excuse to use facetious, and it's F- a great word. Facetious. Yeah, it's a great word. I'm trying to think of what else if I've watched anything else. Um, I mean that's really been it. I've been kind of like shuffling through a couple of different things, but and nothing murdery. Um, and we're zooming again tonight, so we're not watching the uh, keep sweet and obey. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll pick that back up the next time we record in person. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. I know that there's a whole bunch of new, uh, oh, I'm a liar, liar, liar. My pants are on fire. The new season of only murders in the building started last week. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm watching that of course. Cause that show is fucking brilliant. I have not watched it yet. You're crazy. I know, but remember we were going to do that after keep sweet yes we're gonna start the yes. first season from the beginning yes yeah, yeah. so oh it's such a good show i love that show yes very obsessed nice. very mm-hmm. nice very nice i'm mm-hmm. not watching anything because i Nothing don't at all. i don't watch tv <laughs> i mean i do but i have nothing that i'm watching right now like gotcha i i yeah i have nothing i'm boring i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> i suck i suck um but yeah, that's a weird segue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, all right. Mm-hmm. So if if uh, we have nothing else to talk about TV wise, um, mm-hmm. are you ready to tell us your bed crime story for today? I am ready to tell you my bed crime story for tonight. Yay. All right. Well, let's jump into it. So, Charlie, the floor is yours. 
Thank you, Jovi. So this story that I'm going to tell tonight is a listener suggestion. Um, She's a listener. She's also my friend. So Amy, thank you so much for your story suggestion. Um, Yesterday was her birthday. So I messaged her and I said, in honor of your birthday, I'm going to uh, tell the story that you suggested to us. So happy birthday, Amy. Yes. Happy birthday. You're the bomb.com. Okay. So I'm going to tell the story and this, this is one I've never fucking heard of before. Ooh, yay. I like these. Um, and it is about the Ripper crew of Chicago. Oh, I've never and heard it's of like, this. Yeah. It's like kind of culty, kind of like Satanist. It's Ooh. very fucking interesting. Okay. And like super sinister, dark and twisted and creepy. Ooh, I like this already. <laughs> um, as horrible as it is, but you know. yes. Yeah. So I'm going to start first telling about, um, the victims, right. I'm going to tell them, you know, in order from when they were found. Okay. Um, and then kind of give the reveal of who these people are, who are doing these like horrific crimes. Okay. All right. So our start, our story starts on May 23rd, 1981, uh, Linda Sutton. Oh, Mike, hold on resources (laughs) uh my resources uh, truly are just a article from medium.com which was written by lisa marie fuqua Mm -hmm. so um that was really my only source that i pulled from it was a beautifully written article so i'm just going to kind of give the cliff's notes uh version with a little bit of my own uh little secret sauce sprinkled in there okay okay All right. So like I said, action begins May 23rd, 1981. Linda Sutton, 28 years old, goes missing. She's abducted in a very touristy area of Chicago right near Wrigley Field. Um, Her body was found 10 days later in a field in Villa Park. Um, On June 1st, 1981, detectives received a call about a foul smell from a lot behind the Rip Van Winkle Motel. Um, And upon investigation, detectives found Linda Sutton's body. Mm. So her body was already reduced to mostly bones, uh, but even in its heavily decomposed state, the officers knew that they were looking at a murder. Oh, wow. Um, There was a pair of handcuffs still attached to the bones where her wrists were. Uh, There was a gag found still inside of her mouth. Mm. She was wearing a sweater, but her panties were pulled down her legs. Inside of her socks, there was a small amount of cash found, making it so that way they could rule out robbery robbery being a motive. Right. Okay. So medical examiner discovered um, that Linda was actually only deceased for three days when she was found, even though she had such an accelerated um, decomposition decomposition at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and they found that the reason for her accelerated decomp was because both of her breasts had been removed. Oh, which we all know. Yes. Like, you hate, you hate, yeah. seriously fucking hate it. Yes. I actually wanted to message Amy after I finished like doing the research and uh-huh. like reading the article messenger back. I'm like, did you pick this specifically because <laughs> of like, cause this is a theme throughout. Oh no. Yeah. So both of her breasts have been removed, leaving large open wounds. Mm. The most disturbing facts were that Lisa had been raped, sodomized, had her left breast cut off all while she was alive. Stop it. Yeah. Like that's bad on its own, but while she was alive. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, So she had been sexually assaulted 
um, when they amputated her breast, kept her bound and stabbed, also stabbed her numerous times and mutilated her body in various areas um, in the week that they held her. Oh my God. Yes. Um, so our second victim, her name is Cynthia Smith. She survived. Um, so she was a survivor of the attack. It just says she survived her attack, but barely. Yes. Um, a third victim was an unnamed cocktail waitress who was abducted on February 12th, 1982 after her car ran out of gas. Uh, the car was found abandoned alongside the road. Um, it, it appeared that it had been out of gas. So when they did an inspection on the car, the gauge was all the way empty. Mm. Her purse was still in the passenger seat. Keys were still in the ignition. Her body was found nude, mutilated, tortured, raped, and left alongside the road. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yes. That's just so disrespectful. It's uh, so disrespectful. Yeah. I mean, it's bad. horrible, but it's disrespectful to, to dispose of her body like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a few days after finding the unnamed cocktail waitress's body, police found a female body of a Hispanic woman. Her breast had been savagely bitten <gasps> and someone had masturbated over her body. Oh my God. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. On May 15th, 1982, Lori Borowski, 21, was last seen leaving her Elmhurst Gardens apartment on South Fellows Court in the Elmhurst neighborhood at about 8 a.m. Um, from there, Lori walked to her office. She worked at a Remax um, real estate agency mm-hmm. um, on St. Charles Road. When Lori's boss, Donald Stibby, arrived at work at 8.30 a.m., he found the door locked. As he was letting himself in, he noticed that there was items kind of scattered on the sidewalk at the front of the building. Yeah. It was a pair of women's shoes, a keychain with keys and some makeup. So he kind of assumed at first that maybe a woman had dropped her purse and lost her purse. Right. Um, or maybe was robbed and the purse was like thrown there or something. So he picks up all the items and went inside to call the police. And while he was waiting for the police to arrive, he looked at the items a little more closely, noticed that the keychain held a key with his company's name on it. <sighs> so he tried it in the lock or in the lock and it fit. Oh man. So that's when he knew that it was Lori. Oh man. So a bolo be on the lookout Mm -hmm. and everything Mm -hmm. a bolo was issued for Lori. it appeared that she had been taken from in front of her place of work probably while she was trying to open the door or getting ready to open the door her body wouldn't be found for four months holy shit yeah so on october 10th 1982 hunters were walking through the clarendon hills cemetery close to westmont and they made the discovery her body had been dumped in the thicket with her clothing scattered nearby (sighs) Thank God. Yeah. So it's assumed that the killers um, also kept Lori alive for quite a while after abducting her. Um, and that there's a good chance that they also kept her corpse for some time before they dumped her at the cemetery. <laughs> yeah. So the autopsy of Lori revealed that she had been repeatedly raped. Mm. A wire had been wrapped around her breast tightly until it cut off no 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 yeah why why i know i know it's off it's so awful she had been beaten and it it appeared that something had been inserted into the wound from her severed breast yes oh my god i know 
and she eventually was killed with an axe, which is like my other least favorite thing. Yeah. I mean, I none know. of it's my favorite. I know. <laughs> but it's like those two are like the ones that give me the most absolute cringe. The removing of the boob and then the killing with an axe is just the it's the fucking worst. It's so intimate. It's so because you can't It's so intimate and so fucking violent. Yes. The axe is so fucking violent. It's so depraved. It's ter- it's ter- and I, it, it sounds like they were just trying to be as creative as possible when they were removing the breast from each individual victim. Like it oh, wasn't the standard. No, not really. No, not really. That that was the standard. And you'll see. No, no, like, no. Later. I mean, like the removing of the breasts. Yes. Or was that how they removed it each time? That's how they removed all of them. Oh, yeah. Because I thought with the one you said that they bit it. One was one was bit and the others were removed. Oh, OK. OK. Yeah. And that's how they did it. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. OK. So, OK. So Shuey Mac. 30 had only been living in the U S for three years. Uh, she had recently moved from Hong Kong to work at her family's restaurant Ling Ling's on the night of May 29th, 1982. She left the family's restaurant after work with her brother, Kent, they were in the car and they began to argue. So while they were on the highway, Kent pulled over and told his sister to get out of the car. Oh no. Telling her to get a ride with home with their parents who would be coming along shortly on the way home. Mm. So Kent drives off and leaves Shuey along the highway. Their sister, their other sister, Ling, was driving the other car home that night and saw her along the roadside, uh, but didn't stop. And it wasn't until both of the cars got home that they realized she still needed to be picked up. So uh, the siblings left to go find her, but they couldn't find her. Oh, God. So the family called the police soon after, but they were unable to locate her. They were worried because she didn't have any money on her. She didn't have any ID on her and she still spoke very little English. Oh no. Yeah. Why didn't, so, why didn't Ling stop though? Does it say? It doesn't say. Hmm. It doesn't say. So police searched the area. were unable to locate her. Uh, they put out a, a bolo for her saying that she was last seen wearing a red sweater, black pants and sandals. Mm. Um, on the last day of September, 1982, police received a call of a woman's body in a field east of Barrington Road in the town of South Barrington. Um, it was only a mile away from where she got out of her brother's car. Mm. Her body was found in the red sweater and black slack she was wearing. Um, that's the only way that her sister was able to identify her was by the clothes she was wearing. Oh my God. Um, the autopsy showed that she died from a fracture to her skull. Wow. And you know, you know, her brother has to have survival survivor's guilt. Like and her sister probably too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I couldn't even imagine. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So on June 13th, 1982, Angel York, a sex worker, got into a van with a John. Um, the John turned out to be more than one man in the car. He, uh, her attackers handcuffed her to the inside of the van. One of the men then handed her a knife and told her to cut her own breast. <gasps> so Angel said that after she did so, uh, the one man went like berserker. And he masturbated into the wound on her breast. Uh yes when he was finished he duct taped the wound shut and dumped her on the street oh yeah yeah oh my i i I 
I know. She called the police to report the incident. Um, Angel described her attackers, but the police were unable to locate them because she had not gotten a lot of information about the van or the men's names. Mm. So, yeah. Um, August 28th, 1982, the Chicago police find the body of Sandra Delaware on the North branch, uh, the North branch of the Chicago river. She had been dumped near the Fullerton Avenue bridge. She was stabbed, strangled, and her left breast had been removed. Um, her wrists were bound together behind her back with her, with shoestrings. Um, knotted around her neck was a bra. Um, and it would, the autopsy would show that her body had been found only six hours after she died. Oh my gosh. Yes. Rose Beck Davis, 30, a marketing executive from Broadview was found deceased on September 8th, 1982. Her body was under a stairwell of a three-story apartment building in the gold coast neighborhood. She was found lying on her back. Her sweater was found nearby, um, appeared to have been ripped right off of her body. Also located close by were the blue corduroy slacks she had been wearing. Investigators first on the scene noticed the similarities to the previous victim's wounds. Um, An autopsy showed she had been stabbed repeatedly, raped, and strangled with a black sock. Her face was beaten so badly it was hard to recognize her. Her stomach had a, a, a number of small cuts and punctures. Her breast had been cut and mutilated like the other victims. And a large pool, a large blood pool, um, sorry, and a large amount of blood was pooling from her anal cavity. Oh my God. Yeah. There was also numerous hatchet hits to the <sighs> face. Um, and the blows to the face and her head did was what killed her. All right. So it sounds like they're killing at least one person a month and like pretty much. Yeah. Cause I think we're only missing like one month where they skipped or they mm-hmm. probably killed that month, but it wasn't found until the month later, but mm-hmm. they're, they're not stopping. Like they're just yeah. not, they don't care. They just yeah. don't care. Mm-hmm. Wow. So one month later on October 6th, <laughs> 1982, Beverly Washington, 20 years old, was found by the railroad tracks in Chicago's Humboldt Park. But unlike the other victims, she was still alive. Oh, wow. So she was barely hanging on. Um, and apparently the crew thought she had died and dumped her body. <sighs> Somebody had come across her, um, her lying there called for help. She was found with multiple injuries, including an amputated left breast and a severely slashed right breast. She also had numerous stab wounds, um, uh, all over her body. And this attack would finally be what helps catch the Ripper crew. Thank God. Yes. So Beverly tells the police, um, everything that happened. She said a red Dodge van with tinted windows had pulled up to her and asked how much for a date. She was also a sex worker. Okay. When the driver offered her more than she was asking for, she became nervous and a little um, hesitant because obviously that's rare. Yes. Yes. Um, But she got to the van anyway. She told the cops all the details that she can remember, including that there was feathers hanging from the rear view mirror by a roach clip. Oh, that's very specific very specific. Good. Good for her. Good for her Mm -hmm. for picking up on that. Mm -hmm. The driver was a, um, a a slender white man, about 25 years old. 
During her attack, she said he wore a flannel shirt and square toed boots. She said he had greasy brown hair and a mustache. Investigators did not know it yet, but she was describing Robin Geck or Gecht. Gecht. It's G-E-C-H-T. Gecht. Gecht. We'll go with Gecht. Sure, we'll go with that. Yes. So after she was pulled into the van, he uh, gecked himself, pulled out a gun and told her to get into the back of the vehicle. He had fashioned a plywood divider between the front of the truck and the back of the, or the front of the van and the back of the van and had a like hinged door that she had to crawl through. So she crawled through to get to the back on the walls of the van were wooden shelves holding tools and electrical wiring. Um, Gecht ordered her to remove her clothes. She of course complied. Yes. Next he handcuffed her, then forced her to perform oral sex on him. She told investigators that the floor and the ceiling of the van were covered in carpet. Okay. Quote. Then he raped me and shoved some pills into my mouth and made me wash them down with soda pop. Um, as she started to pass out, she saw that he had a cord in his hands. Um, she thought that he was going to kill her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, I blacked out. The next thing I remember, I was in the hospital. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. And that cord was probably what he used to take off her left breast. More yeah. than likely, yes. Yeah. Especially since there's no indication that she had been strangled. Right. Um, only a few hours after Beverly was found, the Ripper crew pulled up next to a phone booth with their van. They opened fire on a man named Rafael Torado and another man that was with him. Both were shot. Um, Rafael was the intended target and he was the only one to die. The crew had started taking murder for hire contracts in order to earn money. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yes. How have we never heard of this before? For real. This is like intense. Super intense. Super intense. Okay. So Beverly was um, obviously paramount in helping to make the arrest Mm -hmm. of the Ripper crew. Within three weeks, on October 20th, 1982, the police pulled over a red van and questioned the driver. He had red hair and did not resemble Beverly's description, but the van was a perfect match. Mm -hmm. The driver told them his name was Eddie Spritzer. And that the van belonged to his boss, Robin Gecht. <laughs> the officers directed Spritzer to go to Gecht's house and had him um, get Gecht outside. They hoped that it would be their guy. And when he came out, he was like a dead ringer for Beverly's description. Nice. He nice. was even wearing a flannel shirt, had the square toed boots, like to a T. Wow. Wow. And of course, like most sociopaths, acted completely cool and confident. Of course. Of course. Mm-hmm. Later on, Beverly was able to pick Gecht out of a set of photos as the man who had assaulted her. But when detectives went back to see him, he had gotten a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also an interesting coincidence with Robin Gecht. He had another, he had a very interesting connection to another very notorious criminal from Chicago who had been arrested three years earlier in 1979. At one point, Gecht was employed at PDM Contractors, which was owned by none other than killer clown John Wayne Casey. Oh. Isn't that fucking crazy? Oh, like my mind is blown right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. No shit. Yep. I don't, I wonder, I don't think, okay, I'm, I don't think it's a coincidence. Well, I mean, because you don't know. You don't, you don't know. know. 
You don't know if they became like BFFs and, you know, he was telling him shared secrets of how to abduct and subdue and mm -hmm. correct. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So the Ripper crew was made up of four men. Um, Robin Gecht, who was 29 at the time he was arrested. Edward Spritzer, 24. Andrew Cocorelius, 21. And Thomas Cocorelius, 24. Obviously brothers. Right. Because Cocorelius, not exactly like Smith. Nope, not at all. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, at the time of their, their arrest, 29, 24, 21, 24. Wow. So basically when they started doing this, Andrew specifically was only like 18 or 19 when they first started. Jesus Christ. Oh, 19, yeah. So the group would regularly meet at Gecht's house after his wife went to work and while his children were in bed. I'm not shocked. Yeah, married I'm, three kids. I'm not shocked because mm-hmm. again, that's also another trait that these sociopaths have. Like they have mm-hmm. a full that whole family. double life thing. Yeah. 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 Oh, very BTK in that way. Correct. Yes. So he was married, had three kids. Um, and he had created, or I guess as a group, they had created a kind of satanic chapel in his attic. The only lighting in the attic came from candles that were along the wall. The walls were decorated with six red and black crosses. Mm. Most of the Ripper's crew, most of the Ripper crew's victims were killed in the attic. Um, while the men tortured the women with knives and removed their breasts with a piano wire garrote. <gasps> yes. Gecht would recite from the satanic Bible. So it was like a, in their minds, because of course, obviously the church of like Satanists is a real religion, right? Right. Quote unquote religion. Right, right, right. Obviously they do not have any connection to real Satanists. Um, and these guys were just made it as if it was like this satanic cult. Um, so yeah, as they were torturing the women and removing the rest, he would recite from the satanic Bible. A piano wire garrote. I don't even know what to say. I know. Almost all of the breast amputations happened while the victims were still alive. Oh, no. No, no, And are you ready? This is the worst part. This is the worst part. Okay. Like, hashtag fucking trigger warning. This is the worst part. Oh, no. They would always eat their victims' breasts in the attic as part of the ritual. Stop it. Even if they had killed the victim elsewhere. Stop it. it continues it continues so continuing the trigger warning Mm -hmm. gecht would continue to read passages as each man would take their turn masturbating into the severed breast once they had taken their turn he would cut it into pieces that they would then eat Mm -hmm. that's the end of that that's the end of like the the that that's the end of all of that part Huh? Yeah. It's times like this where I wish we like we were a visual broadcast because I can't, I can't, mm-hmm. I I absolutely cannot. Mm-hmm. That is the most disgusting thing I've ever heard in my disgusting. entire life. It's, and I've heard dep- a lot of disgusting things. It's there's no word like it's depraved. Yeah, like beyond it's beyond it very much so like I, I, okay i just 
Wow. I know. Just wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So the Ripper crew believed that their leader, Gecht, had supernatural powers and that he had used his powers to control the rest of the men, both mentally and physically. They would say that they felt Gecht had put them into a trance and that there was no way to escape his power. Uh, They also said the power is how the crew would convince them to kill and commit kill and commit cannibalism. That's hard to commit cannibalism. (laughs) Yes. After being caught by the police, of course, the crew starts to turn on one another of course right? of course um and they fall back on similar excuses that most followers give for their crimes when it comes to like this group berserker type of a mind frame mm-hmm. that they were afraid their leader would kill them mm-hmm. or hurt their them or their loved ones if they didn't do what they wanted mm-hmm. um they turned on robin specifically they confessed to all of the crimes but gecked didn't maintain his innocence claimed that he himself never hurt anyone and never forced anyone else to do so very charles manson where he's i didn't touch anybody i didn't make them do it they did it of their own accord that wasn't me Mm-mm. 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 no just no no despite the confessions of spritzer and the cocorellius brothers as well as Beverly's eyewitness testimony against him, police were unable to charge Gacht for murder. Instead, he was sentenced to 120 years for attempted murder and rape, and he will be eligible for parole in 2022. Stop it right fucking now. Mm-mm. Are you kidding me? They Mm-mm. actually gave him the option to be eligible for parole? Are you fucking Mm-mm. joking? Mm-mm. Oh my God. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I mm-hmm. hope by the grace of God or whatever that it gets denied before he even starts speaking. Yeah. Because if he gets let out, I know. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Andrew Cocorelius was sentenced to death by lethal injection and it was carried out in March of 1999. Andrew was the last person to be executed in Illinois before George H. Ryan commuted all, commuted all death sentences. Okay. Uh, Spritzer was one of the sentences commuted and is currently serving life in prison without parole. Thomas Cocorelius's life sentence was commuted as well, and his release date was September 30th, uh, 2017. I don't understand. I, I, just, I just don't understand. My God. My God. I, I, yep. Okay. Okay. And that, my dear friends, is the sick, twisted, disgusting, awful, horrible, psychotic, disturbing story. I think I might have said disturbing already, but I'm going to say it again. Right. Story of the Ripper crew of Chicago. Kind of culty, kind of Satanistic. It has it all. Extra extra gross. It has it. it, Honestly, it's one of those cases that has has a little bit of everything. And not in a good way. No, no, no. That is honestly one of the most disgusting yeah. things that, that one of the most disgusting cases that we've done on this podcast. Yeah. I will say, cause I, I know up until this point, I was always, I was, hmm, never really hundred percent satisfied with the way that I told the Jeffrey Dahmer story. Cause I felt like I 
just repeatedly was telling these awful, like depraved things about what he did to all of his victims. Um, especially since it got like, it got very repetitive of what he was doing. And I was like, ugh, was I just doing that? Like gratuitously? It like made me, I've always kind of regretted the way I told that story. I told the story the way that I did it because I wanted to focus on the victims. I didn't even say their names until the very end of the story Mm -hmm. on purpose because it has nothing to do with those fucking assholes. Um, but that story, I'm sorry, this, I feel at least is if not worse than Dahmer on par with Dahmer. I definitely think it's worse. I I agree with you. I definitely think it's worse. I think it's more depraved. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, this one wins. Holy yeah. shit. Mm-hmm. Just, I, mm-hmm. and out of all those people, only one was executed. One Correct. is eligible for parole this year. Mm-hmm. The fucking mastermind behind the ringleader. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one is serving life, like life without the possibility of parole. And the other one's already out. Right. I don't understand how they all got something so completely different. I know. I know, um, the ringleader, he had different charges or whatever, but I'm Mm -hmm. sorry. Like, no, that's, that's not okay. Yeah. Because the whole thing is, is like, when we think about what Beverly was telling the cops, her experience, she obviously she had survived. So in her case, it was rape, even possibly kidnapping and attempted murder. If he's the other three confessed. So we know that they committed murder because they confessed to it. Gecht maintained his innocence. So there was no way to prove that he was ever really technically involved that's bullshit intellect tells us that obviously gecht was involved in killing yes but again i mean technically if i'm not mistaken manson was never charged with murder and he was eligible for parole multiple times he just got de- he got denied yeah i think you're right it's it's still fucked up i, I just oh well yeah yeah no yeah, i don't yeah. i don't i don't wow well thanks amy <laughs> I know, right? Oh no, okay. He was he was actually charged with murder. Nine counts of murder, one count of conspiracy to commit murder. Manson or Manson. Manson. Uh two murdered, seven murdered by proxy. That's according to the good old Wikipedia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good lord. Wow. That was intense. Yeah. Like yeah. very intense. Very much so. I'm so sad for those victims. I'm so sad that they were alive when they took their breasts off and and things like like that. That's just, Mm -hmm. I don't even know. I don't know what else to say. I don't, I truly don't. So I'm sorry. (laughs) It's okay. It was thanks Amy. Yeah. Amy. Um, (laughs) it, it was very well told. So thanks. Thank you, Charlie, for um, telling us all about the Ripper crew of Chicago. Thank you, Amy, for suggesting it. That was awesome. Um, And now I'm going to segue to the closing because, (laughs) you know, Um, thank you guys, as always, for listening. 
Um, we appreciate you. We love you all very, very much. Mm-hmm. Please rate, review, subscribe, tell mm-hmm. a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, you too could send us a story for us to tell, just like Amy did. Let mm-hmm. Amy be your role model. Um, <laughs> exactly. And you could do that by sliding up into our DMs on social, on mm-hmm. Twitter and Instagram at Bed Crime Stories. Or you can send us an email at bedcrimestoriespod at gmail.com. Be kind to one another. Yes, please. If this podcast teaches you anything, the world is cruel. Mm. (laughs) It's cruel. It's sad. It's just, it's terrible. Be kind. Keep those you love close to you and just live your best life. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope you all have a great day, night, evening, workday, morning, whatever time you're listening. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we love you guys very much. We'll mm-hmm. talk to you all next week. But until then, sweet dreams. Wow. Our theme song is the song Industrial Music Box by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by backslash 3.0.